It's like people are listening to us live and there's like, let's fade that idiot. Yeah. <laughs> everybody this is episode 11 of the outsider's edge sportscast i'm your host as always joseph garner coming to you from the lone star state i'm alongside my uh broadcasting partner here wesley colvin coming to you from the bluegrass state what's up wes how you doing tonight my brother uh we are doing great man um looking forward to talking some fights uh got a really good guest tonight man guy i really respect uh when it comes to breaking down fights, so looking forward to it. Absolutely. Looking forward to a weekend of fights out in Portland. The UFC travels there for Fight Night 95, I think, 95, 96. I guess I really don't refer to them by the number that much, so it's not really that important. Uh, we do know that we do have a great guest on to help us break it down. As you mentioned, uh, one of our Canadian friends, he happens to have his own podcast, and he does a lot of good work, been following him for quite a while, uh, none other than Paul Shaughnessy. Paul, welcome to the podcast, man, and uh, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. I've been listening uh, for the short time, the uh, the 11 episodes. Glad to be on the uh, lucky number 11 here. Um, looking forward to breaking down these fights. Anytime John Lineker fights, like, it's must-see TV. I know the casuals aren't familiar with this crazy little Brazilian with a, with a little scrunched-up, punchable face, but he's a total maniac, and uh, I feel as though anybody who watches him would grow to love him as well. Oh, not a better way to describe the man. He is a uh, a little ball of energy, and he certainly brings a pain. And he's uh, he's fighting another guy just like him, pretty much. I mean, you could describe him in many of the same ways. Uh, it should be fireworks, mm-hmm. to be honest. And, there, and there's some other interesting fights throughout the card. But before we dive into it, man, uh, Paul, why don't you tell us all about your podcast that you do with your friend Cody and, uh, and how that all started and, and exactly what it is that you guys do at Boogie Beatdown. So, uh, yeah, we actually, me and Cody actually first started doing our podcast probably over two years ago, I guess. And uh, it was actually just me and him and our buddy Kent Carter talking shit about, like, what Phil Baroni posted on Instagram and some shit. And then they started up this, uh, this fantasy sports network, and they were looking for content, and they were looking for a betting show. And, you know, we were already betting on fights, and we were like, hey, why, why don't we turn it into a a gambling show. First one we ever did was uh, was uh, UFC Fight Night Abu Dhabi, where uh, Roy Roy Big Country Nelson basically put uh, Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira uh, put him put him in the coffin and, and, and wrapped him <laughs> up. And uh, it's been good ever, good ever since. We had our hundredth episode on UFC 202, and uh, onwards and upwards from here. That's fantastic, man. 100 episodes, uh, that's definitely a feat, a feat that uh, Wes and I hope that we can get to in the not-too-distant future. But um, how long have you been following MMA, man, and how long have you been betting on it? Uh, first fight I can ever remember was uh, when I was probably about, I want to say like 14, 15 years old. My buddy's dad had, I don't know if you guys had him down in the States, but we had like the direct TV satellites, but they were straight up illegal. Anyway, my buddy's dad didn't want to pay for cable. So we, uh, so we had that. And I remember watching, uh, Pedro Hizzo versus Randy Couture. Cause it was one of the channels nice. that we got on there. Nice. And, and that first round, I was just like, Oh my God, stop the damn fight. Randy Couture is absolutely torching Pedro Hizzo. And then the you know Pedro Hizzo in the next two rounds just like chopped him down with leg kicks and ended up finishing him and I was just like 
this shit's pretty legit. And then more so in universities. I'm dating myself here, but the, over 10 years ago, I, my buddy had the Pride DVD, started watching those. Then kind of just got more into the sport as the time went on. Been betting on the sport probably about four years or so at this point now. Good stuff, good stuff. It's always interesting to find out how everybody got their start in MMA. Uh, we've talked about mine before in the past at, at length. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a new fan, uh, probably starting around UFC 100, and Wes has been at it forever, you know, back since the dark ages. I guess that comes with being a little older himself, old man <laughs> out there. But um, at any rate, great time to be an MMA fan. A lot going on in the MMA world, including uh, UFC making their debut <laughs> in New York City. UFC 205 going down to Madison Square Garden. Looking to be a pretty amazing card. And it was just announced a couple days ago that uh, one, the notorious Conor McGregor, will be uh, vying for the lightweight belt against Eddie Alvarez. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on this, guys. Uh, I'm going to start with Wes because I know Wes is a... Uh, a notorious McGregor <laughs> hater, although he might be coming around a little bit lately. I think the DS fights did some, uh, you know, did some service for him there. But anyway, Wes, what do you think about this matchup and uh, the card as a whole for UFC 205? Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm much of a McGregor hater. I wouldn't go that far, but you know, he just his antics kind of rubbed me, you know, wrong for a while. But. Um, you know, as far as the fighter, he he's he's proved himself um, uh, well above what I ever thought he would. Uh, so yeah, I, I absolutely respect the guy tremendously. Uh, you're absolutely right. The the two DS fights, especially the last one, um, that that solidified my my fandom for for Connor. I'm definitely a fan. Um, but uh, as far as this fight, um, yeah, amazing fight, man. Um, I kind of I have a couple different feelings. Um, I love the fight. I love the matchup. I love that Connor is is he's pushing himself to to heights and levels in this sport that most guys uh, never see or never have seen and never will. Um, the the two the other side of that is is the two belt thing. I think it's more for kind of show and promotion at this point, just to say that he has held two belts. Um, I don't want to go as far as saying he he's holding up a division because it seems like people's kind of taken that the wrong way. Um, I see a lot of people on Twitter that's kind of um, they're making fun of guys that you know are saying that he's holding up a division, but. It, I, he kind of is, you know, if he if he's not going to defend the belt, and, and my only reason saying that is because he took the two fights out of the division. You know, people say, well, he's been active and this and that, but he took two fights out of the division, not in his division. So um, just give the belt up, you know, let let Auto take it and fight, you know, Max or whoever else is in line. But I get the whole promotional side of it. Um I never see him going back down to 145. That's the only reason why I kind of that rubs me the wrong way. Um, as far as the fight, th- this is a tremendous fight. Um, but my initial um, way I see it is, I, I think Connor's going to knock Eddie out. Um, Eddie- Eddie's a pressure fighter. He's going to come forward, and we've seen Eddie rock numerous times in fights. He's come back and won them. Um, He's he if he has a good game plan he'll try to wrestle Connor get him against Cage and, and rough him up but I think Connor knocks him out uh, as far as the 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 card man what a card this is absolutely the best card that the UFC has ever put on it's just 
it, it's loaded top to bottom. Even the even the women's fights on this card is is pretty good. Um, they just added Khabib and, and Michael Johnson, and that's like a, a throwaway fight when Khabib didn't get the title fight, and it's against MJ. You know that that's a hell of a fight uh, itself. So, yeah, amazing card. Uh, can't wait for it. So many great matchups on it, and uh, it, it's going to be awesome. Paul, how you feeling about the card here, man? Uh, UFC 205, biggest card ever, and is McGregor going to walk away with two belts, you think? First off, the card is straight silliness. Like, there's just so much talent top to bottom that, you know, they have UFC 206 coming up afterwards, and, like, uh, I saw a joke on Twitter where they're just like, UFC 206 is actually just going to be them showing UFC 205, like, on the jumbo <laughs> inside of the Air Canada Center. Which I, which is like, yeah, like all the big stars are, are basically gone. But I'm not complaining one bit about it. It's, it's a, incredible. Like if this, even if ten of the thirteen fights hold together, it's the best card that we've ever seen. I suppose if the main event drops off, that would hurt it a lot. But not in my eyes. Like there, there's just so much amazing, amazing talent. Three title fights, and you have Weidman Romero, which is a sick fight. Like the fights that are going to end up on the prelims of two, UFC 205. Our, our main event worthy for, for a fight night card. So, yeah, it's incredible top to bottom. Uh, McGregor, you know, love him or hate him, I don't think he really cares as long as you're tuning in, as long as you're giving him his $60. And you got to give him one thing. The guy is not afraid of taking a tough fight at this point. Everyone was talking on his rise up through the division that, oh, this guy's scared, this guy's dodging, you know, they're tailor-making some of these opponents. And, yeah, Dan Seaver. Dennis Seaver was a, a tailor-made opponent. Marcus Brimage, well, was his UFC debut. Who do you expect him to fight? Uh, you know, when he got Chad Mendez on short notice, that was kind of the beginning of, like, Connor will literally take on anybody. Whoever he wants is what he's going to get. As for taking on Eddie Alvarez, Eddie Alvarez, it's a tough fight, man. And I, I, I've always been a big supporter of McGregor over the years, but, man, Eddie, Eddie's a scrapper. Eddie doesn't doesn't get knocked out he's got one hell of a beard i think he utilizes his wrestling in this spot i i would have to almost wait to see where this line goes to be perfectly honest like i i think maybe the hordes of irishmen maybe may maybe pumping some cash in on mcgregor and we can get a, a price around like you know plus 160 plus 180 for alvarez and i may take a shot there but i'm kind of just playing the waiting game on that line right now yeah, it does look like some early money's coming on McGregor. I mean, it looked like the opener was somewhere around minus 125, at least at five dimes, and now we've got a little 10-cent move there. Nothing major, but I think you got, you're got you on to something there. Uh, McGregor does seem to take a lot of money in most of his fights. I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case here. Uh, honestly, I like the matchup for McGregor a little bit just because I think he proved some resilience against Nate Diaz. Not that... Uh, Alvarez is going to employ the same type of game plan that Nate Diaz did. In fact, it will be a lot more pressure. It will be a lot more wrestling, I think, is the plan for Eddie and to take us into deep waters. But uh, Alvarez, you know, he, he likes to scrap, and, and he's been goaded into some wars in the past. And I think that if he gets hit with some of the shots that uh, he's been hit with in the past, if it's McGregor dealing the punches, I think that he's going to have a long or a short night, rather, in front of him. And I could definitely see Connor walking away with a knockout. And to touch on what Wes said real quick, I think that the whole two belts at one time thing is just something that would be u- unique to Connor, so that he could be the first person to ever hold two simultaneously. That would be his little record. It would set him apart from BJ and Randy, of course, having held two belts in two 
different divisions. And he'll definitely vacate 145 after he wins this, if he indeed does beat Eddie, because like Wes said, I don't see him going back down to 145. So before we bounce off of this card and, and head into uh, this weekend's fights, I did want to ask your opinion, Paul, about the Khabib matchup with Michael Johnson, because namely, first of all, um, Khabib seems to feel like he was a little hard done by not getting the title shot against Eddie Alvarez. And uh, I just want to get your opinion on that. I know you're a Khabib fan yourself, uh, like watching the guy fight. So what do you think about Khabib's current situation, and how do you see him matching up with one Michael Johnson? I have Khabib facing off against a bear as my my desktop at work. So to, to put it to call me a fan is probably playing it a little bit lightly. I've been really supportive of him since day one. I suppose it's one of those things where I, I picked him as soon as I saw him fight his first fight against Kamal Shalaris inside of the UFC. I was just like, that guy's going to be a champion. When I say that, then my uh, my support and fervor for the for the fighter in question just, just goes over the top because I want to be right about it. But, uh, yeah, he got straight up jobbed, and he was part of the whole negotiation tactics through this. I get it. But, uh, see, for me, the one thing, and I think Wes actually saw me tweet this out, they teased that they were going to put Khabib on UFC 206 right here in Toronto, and I thought that would just be just a fine main event. And I would be right in my backyard. I'd be able to go see Khabib win the belt. Everything was coming up, Paul. And, uh, <laughs> and, then, and then they, they went around and screwed me. So... <clears throat> Uh, as for the fight against Michael Johnson, like I, I am probably the most biased dude on Khabib ever. So I see Khabib going in there, uh, imposing his will. He'll be able to eat whatever shots that he throws at him. He's going to be able to take him down. And then he just rides his back. Like That's that's what happens when Khabib fights. People go, oh, like even when he was, was supposed to be matched up against Tony, people say, well, he'll get caught in the darts. He's just like, how are you going to set up the darts when Khabib's riding your back like a horse, man? Like, that's what Khabib does. And especially if it's a three-round fight against Michael Johnson, this is, like, it, it, it's it's surefire win for him. The price at, like, minus 300, I totally get why people aren't on board with that. And I can understand people wanting to bet on Michael Johnson for, like, plus 200 and above, but not going to be my money. Like, that, that's just me. That, that's I consider that basically burning money at this point. Yeah, no. As I said, I, oh, as ahead. I said, I'm biased. Oh, well, you know, all <laughs> bias aside, uh, you know, we're seeing minus three seventy at sportsbook right now. No widely available lines, but I totally get that. And um, real question now, I guess, do you see him finishing the fight? We know Michael Johnson has been susceptible to submissions in the past, and not that Khabib is necessarily a finisher by trade, but he'll certainly be in positions to uh, perhaps go for the finish. Absolutely possible for sure. Like what? That guy's his grappling is at a whole different level. And I found mm-hmm. that I yeah. find recently that there's a lot. There's kind of a general trend when you look online and stuff that people don't really have any sort of respect for wrestling anymore. People will be like, "Well, he doesn't knock people out, so it sucks." It's like Gregor Gillespie this last weekend. Like I saw people online saying that he was a straight up tomato can and stuff, and just like from watching the guy take a shot on tape. You just saw it's a different level. It's a different speed. It's uh, his the way that he changes his levels and the angles he comes in for the takedowns. I, I think people are kind of looking over that, glossing over because the UFC has pumped up the idea of you know action fights and knockouts and stuff. But sometimes I don't know. I find it fascinating watching Khabib go in there and just dominate a dude for three to five rounds. I just can't yeah, understand. They, uh... 
the sentiments of people not enjoying grappling. Uh, I think it's absolutely fascinating watching fights that play out on the ground. I mean, it seems like there was a period of MMA at the beginning, of course, where nobody understood it, then a very big period when the people loved it, and now it's almost coming to the point where it's like all stand and bang again. It's it's yeah. kind of baffling to me, but, you know, everybody is uh, is their own and they have their own likes, so whatever. Uh, Wes, real quick, yeah. question. Bigger mark for Khabib, Jay Primetown or our, our man Paul Shaughnessy? <laughs> well, before I let me uh, let me touch on that. It, it also does seem like that they they want to move the sport um, to guys finishing and just causing landing punches and stuff, and totally getting grappling and the art of of controlling someone on the ground, like completely out of the sport. Like even from a judging and winning fights uh, perspective, and. Um, the guy uh, Mark Rinaldi that that runs the MMA fighting account on Fight Nights a lot of times and is judging the fights. Um, the other night, I want to say it was in that uh, Gillespie fight. He was giving rounds to the guy landing one punch and then getting uh, Gregor would control him on the ground for four minutes and thirty seconds, but the other dude landed three punches in the round and he was actually scoring the rounds for him. But saying, well, that's the new criteria. That's how judges are supposed to score these fights now. That is, that is complete garbage. This is yeah. mixed martial arts. It's not a boxing match. It's not a kickboxing match. It's mixed martial arts. One guy landing two punches doesn't, I don't care if he swelled his eye up or not. Yeah, that's that's some damage. But then getting taken down and completely controlled on the ground for four minutes and 30 seconds, that's winning a fight, you know? So I, I, I agree with, with Paul that, we we need to not get away from that. That this is still a, a like I said a, a mixed martial art. The the art of taking someone down and, and controlling them is part of it. And with, with Khabib, I also agree with Paul. I, that guy could be a champion if he could just get the fight. Because I honestly believe that there's there's no one in the division that that could stop his his double leg and and his ground control. It, it's it's at a level that nobody else has in that weight class. So I'd really like to see uh, Khabib get a shot eventually. I understand why he doesn't. Uh, right now, you have to fight more than once a year. You have to show that you can defend that belt a couple times a year, um, not not pull out of, of main events, and which he hasn't done that, but that's the worry of giving him that spot, especially on the, on the New York card. Um, and... Uh, to your question, I think Paul might be the 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 bigger mark. Uh, I'm sure he has the Khabib T-shirt, which Jay has, but I don't think Jay has the the laptop screensaver like Paul does. Uh, my uh, Twitter account, my Twitter account also says unwavering supporter of Khabib, and it's been like that since day one. Yeah, that that gets it right there, dude. Absolutely. That's- that's next level. <laughs> That's next level shit. <laughs> Definitely. So, Wes, you see could be beating Michael Johnson relatively easily? Absolutely. I, I don't – like Paul said, I, I could I could see why people want to take that, that small shot. But um, Michael Johnson, you know, he, he did knock out Dustin. But we all, we all knew that Dustin, even though it didn't show up in a couple fights, that chin has always been a kind of question. And before that, Michael Johnson's put on some really dull performances uh, in the past couple years, and uh, Khabib's going to ragdoll him all around the cage. It's going to be ugly. I also agree with Paul as well that uh, I've seen a lot of people that like Tony Ferguson against Khabib as well. I absolutely agree. You can't 
you can't put on those submissions and those darces when somebody is completely riding your back the whole fight. So I like Khabib against a lot of guys in the in the lightweight division, honestly. Definitely a tough out, no doubt. Uh, well, while that's burning on the horizon, we'll go ahead and uh, talk about what's up next this Saturday. We've got UFC Fight Night 96, as I must correct myself from earlier. Lineker versus Dotson coming to us from Portland. Um, top of the card, man. Dotson Lineker, that's a pretty sweet fight, and one that we may not have thought we would get after you know Dotson hit, moved up to the bantamweight division from a failed attempt at making a run at the flyweight title twice, and we have you know Lineker doing the same after failed attempts to make the weight like four out of eight times, if I'm not mistaken. So it's uh, definitely a very awesome fight that I'm glad we're having and it's very meaningful at this point in this division as Lineker's strung together a whole bunch of good wins and Dotson's looking to steal some of that shine so uh, right now I'm looking at the odds here on five dimes which is our usual go-to we've got Dotson a slight favorite at minus 130 now and the comeback on John Lineker is plus 110 Wes give me your thoughts on this matchup and who are you picking who are you taking uh, with your bets if you are placing any and uh, let us know how it's going down man you, you talk about a must-see fight. Like, you can say whatever you want about this card, but you got to tune in just for this fight, you know. Um, it, it, I, th- I think it's it's really close, and I think that there's a couple ways it could go. Dotson could move. Uh, Dotson could land that jab. Um, like a, some a lot of people I've seen say, he does throw the straighter punches, the quicker punches. But if if Johnny fucking Lineker gets Dotson anywhere close to that cage and starts ripping those body shots and ripping those hooks to the head, it only takes a couple from this guy. We, we've seen it over and over. Uh, guys that were supposed to have a little bit straighter, cleaner striking than him are supposed to get him. They don't. They all get caught. He catches them all eventually. Um I still think it's it's very intriguing. Um, you know, Dotson's going to come with somewhat of a game plan um, with Jackson, of course. Um, but it just seems like Lineker can always get dudes into brawls. And if he gets Dotson into a brawl with him, I think the out- outcome's going to be the same as it always is when you brawl with, with John Lineker and you're going to go to sleep. Um the number being the the plus number on on Lineker is is gonna get me to bet him in this fight. Um, I, I will be on him. Um, I do give Dotson a chance in this fight. There's definitely avenues for him to win. Um, but I, like I said, I just think every guy always ends up getting into a firefight eventually in in the fight with with John Lineker, and it's gonna happen here, and and he's gonna catch Dotson and. Dotson's got a pretty good chin. Uh, maybe he doesn't knock him out, but I think he's going to hurt him. Um, and I think he's going to win this fight. So give me the plus money on uh, Johnny fucking Lineker. Very, very nice. Paul, who are you leaning to in this fight, and how's it going down? It's an interesting fight, just kind of uh, tailing off of what uh, Wes just said there. One of the things, that you look at that Rob Font fight, and if you decide not to get into a firefight, with John Lineker, that's what happens, is that he just prolongs a beating on you for three rounds or whatever many rounds that it takes. Now, don't get me wrong, John Dodson's mobility is in a different category 
than Rob Fonts. He's, you know, John Dodson is so fast and so nimble, so athletic. But if you're on your back feet trying to backpedal, like Lineker throws these wide looping strikes, uh, wide looping hooks on both sides, because that's just about shoehorning you, keeping you in front of him, because he knows that he has probably the best chin in MMA, definitely at 135 mm-hmm. pounds. He can take the damage. You can throw all those straights up the middle. As long as you're in front of him, he's landing. He's landing to the body. He's landing to the head, and he's mixing it up constantly. He's dangerous. Now, can John Dodson kind of you know play that game, stay away for two rounds, Lineker starts whiffing that air for the first two rounds, gets tired, and Dodson takes over. That's definitely a possibility that I see. But to kind of go off of what Wes was saying, at plus money, I, I got to go with Lineker here if I'm going to make a bet. But I think I may even wait a little bit. We'll see where, where it ends up by fight time. Right now, it's what, like plus 105, you were saying? And we're looking it's, at minus one thirty Dotson, plus one ten John Lineker. Um, it's tighter it's, in other spots, but it, it, Lineker is the slight underdog across the board. It looks like. Yeah, it's been slightly trending in that direction. I don't know if how much it'll change on fight day. They're both the same size, so I can't imagine that weigh-ins are going to change any, anything unless John Lineker misses weight at one hundred thirty-five pounds. God, I hope that doesn't happen. But I would not be shocked if that happened either. Um, Lineker would be is my pick. Lineker will be my bet, but the line has been trending in the direction that I like, so I'd probably wait it out just for a little bit here. This is a fight that's really tough to pick, in my opinion, not because of how the guys necessarily match up stylistically, but because it's going to hinge on how Dotson approaches this fight, and I'm just not sure that he is disciplined enough to employ the game plan that he will need to increase his odds in this fight. Now, if we knew that Dotson was going to come in with a well-worked Greg Jackson game plan and actually employ it to the T, I think that he should actually be a bigger favorite in this fight. You know, his wrestling's pretty good. I think he could utilize that against Lineker, who we've seen been put on his back before, albeit against very, very good grapplers, which I think Dotson may not be up to that part quite, uh, you know, like Ali off and whatnot. But I do have to think that Dotson probably has more mobility. He's probably a little faster, and he, I think, honestly, he hits harder too. Uh, all that being said, John Lineker is super tough and could certainly land a death blow on Dotson. I'm not going to subscribe to the fact that, yes, I know Dawson's never been stopped before, and also I do know that John Lineker has an amazing chin. I believe in science. Both these guys could get finished. We've seen crazy things happen all the time, and, and certainly it would not be crazy to say that either one of these men could finish a fight in the UFC, albeit against each other. Uh, I actually like the under. That's my angle in this fight. The under's uh, under 2.5 at some plus money. We're looking at plus 105 is the best price on the board right now. I just think that Dotson's not going to be able to employ his uh, game plan, which would probably be to stretch this fight out and to play a distance game and a movement game and try to strike in combination and then get out of there without getting hit. I think he's going to be goaded into a war, and at that point it's pretty much anyone's ball game. So I expect to see a finish here, and I expect it within the first two and a half rounds. So that fight in the books, we'll move on to the Good fight. event. Yes. Don't miss that damn fight. Yeah, Like Wes said, if you're going to tune in for anything this weekend, as far as this card is concerned, certainly make sure it's the main event. Record that shit. You'll probably be able to watch it back several times really quickly and enjoy it because it'll be <laughs> fast-paced, and I think someone's going to sleep, whether it be via choke or knockout. It should be awesome. Um, no doubt. Must see TV. So 
from that fight, which should be fireworks, to a fight that I think might not be so much of that. Uh, we've got mm-hmm. former Bellator champion Will Brooks taking on Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Right now we see Will Brooks lined at minus 270 and Cowboy Oliveira at plus 230, coming in as a pretty decent-sized underdog. Uh, I'm going to let Wes go again first here because I, I, I listened to your podcast this week, Paul. I got some of your thoughts on Will Brooks at the front of my mind. Wes, I want to ask you before this breakdown, do you think Will Brooks is the caliber of fighter that could potentially be a UFC champion? And then obviously, secondly, please break down this fight and let us know how you think it's going to go down. Man, you know, coming coming into the UFC, I, I had – I I gave him a slight chance. Um, I know he had some not-so-great performances so far. Um, I don't think he's going to be UFC caliber, uh, champion caliber. Now, that all depends on the matchup, of course, who's holding that belt. Um, But as far as this fight, I I just think this is going to be a really boring wrestle grind for for will brooks um i don't think he's going to stand with with howboy um if he does the fight gets a whole lot closer i think because i think uh Oliveira probably has better striking than will brooks um but will brooks is a very cerebral fighter a very smart fighter um i, I want to say that i guess but his his last fight he didn't he didn't really do that too much he kind of went into you know, uh, uh, an area of uh, of the fight that he didn't have to. He could have made it a whole lot easier and uh, and uh, took Ross down and won a fight a whole lot easier. But um, yeah, I think that's what happens in this fight. I think he get, he gets smart. He uh, he takes Cowboy down and uh, he he grinds on him for three rounds. I think you're right. It's going to be a, a pretty boring fight, and um, I, I wouldn't touch Will Brooks at minus two seventy at this point. There's no way in hell. I would do that. If there was any angle you was looking to bet in this fight, I'd look at the over, uh, putting that in something, because uh, I, I really do think it goes the distance. But there's absolutely no way I'm touching Will Brooks at minus 270. Uh, but I also don't think I don't think Cowboy lands something to take out Will Brooks in this fight. So I just can't burn money on, on an underdog that I don't think is going to win. So um, 30-27 decision, uh, look at the over, if anything. So could you see Oliveira taking a decision off of Brooks if he doesn't show up? Yeah, I mean, I, I could if if Brooks doesn't fight smart and stays on his feet, um, we've seen Will Brooks has a pretty decent chin. So I think he could, uh, I think he could stay in there three rounds, uh, standing in and throwing you know jabs and and what Cowboy's going to do. So yeah, I could see Cowboy winning a decision. I think that's highly unlikely, though. I, I really do. I see more of the Brooks decision route, um, uh, but I don't. Uh, Cowboy's tough too. I, I don't. I don't see Brooks finishing him. Um, Want to pick Brooks to win, but I just don't think two seventy's just way too steep on Will Brooks at this point. He just, like I said, coming into the UFC, I I I, I liked him a whole lot more. Just that those those performances, man. I just don't or that performance against Ross Pearson. And we can, you know, count it to some, you know, octagon jitter stuff. You wouldn't think that a Bellator champion would, would have octagon jitters, but it's true. It's, it's, it's the big show. So maybe he didn't have his best, that uh, best night that night. Um, We know Ross Pearson's a pretty tough, durable guy as well. So, um, but I, I think Brooks wins this fight. I I don't think he finishes Cowboy though. So I'm, 
I'm going to go Brooks' decision. Yeah, you just answered my next question and my last question for you before we kick it to Paul about you know his performance against Ross Pearson. Do you think it had something to do with maybe his first trip into the octagon? Obviously, you you alluded to that. So I I really think that's probably what it was, and the fact that uh, Ross Pearson he's not a great uh, fighter, yeah. but he is not an easy out, and he seems to be able to make fights dirty. And he's a Ross is, Ross is going to be a, a and he, I think he already is. He's a really good gatekeeper. He's a really good, tough, durable out for any guy that you're trying to build up a little bit. And uh, Pearson fit, fits that role perfectly now, I believe. No doubt. Um, I'm a little higher on Brooks, I think. I, I do think this fight will be his re- relatively easily. I think Oliver is the kind of guy, he's flashy at, at times, and he's been in some really entertaining fights. So I think that tends to give people a better, or a, uh, yeah, I guess a better opinion of his abilities than what you would have otherwise if he had been in some boring fights and, and had the same win-loss record as he has. I just think that he's maybe a tad overhyped. And, and Will Brooks, I really think, is a, is a dark horse contender. For the title, I mean, obviously matchup pending, uh, depending on who he fights. But I honestly think he's, a, he's really a tough out for almost every single person in the division. And after we let Paul get his thoughts real quick, I'll ask you a couple questions about Will Brooks and some potential matchups in the future, guys. But Paul, uh, I know you're a Will Brooks fan and have been. Uh, how do you feel about his odds in this fight and his prospects going forward in the lightweight division? Well, yeah, in terms of uh, whether he can actually win the belt one day, like. After Eddie Alvarez came into the UFC, got his ass handed to him by Cowboy Cerrone. Good point. Yeah. Nobody would have said that we'd be in the situation that we are right now. Then he had kind of a stinker performance at altitude, I guess, at UFC 188 against Gilbert Melendez, followed by uh, followed by Pettis, where he wrestled and grinded, and then he went in there and knocked the damn head off of RDA, who was looking indestructible at that point in time. So this sport is crazy. To, I think Will Brooks, 100%, if you know, if he brings out the performances that he had against Michael Chandler when he's back in Bellator, which I, I imagine we're going to see a better Will Brooks in this fight, I think I think he's he's right up there in the top five. He's very competitive with a bunch of the guys in the division. As for his fight against Cowboy Oliveira, Cowboy Oliveira, if memory serves me correct, was training at ATT for a whole bunch of fights. Yes, sir. You know, like, from, from, like, Peter Hallman onwards. Like, I think even the Cowboy Cerrone fight he was training at uh, at ATT. Now he gets matched up against Will Brooks. Will Brooks' camp knows all about Cowboy Oliveira. You know, you have to all you have to do is watch tape and, and see that, you know, wrestling is deficiency. You take him down. You can pound him out. If you have good enough jiu-jitsu, you can submit him. Like, that's, that's the key to victory against him in a lot of spots. His camp, or, yeah, Will Brooks is, like, a homegrown guy from ATT. He's their boy. So Cowboy Oliveira's went back to Tata Fight Team out in uh, Rio de Janeiro. They ha- they know everything about this guy. It's a very strange matchup. Like I almost thought it was short notice because because Cowboy Oliveira just kind of ends up in short notice fights all the time. And then when that when I saw that no, this is actually what was booked from day one. It's just like this mm-hmm. is a this is a setup fight for Will Brooks, man. They know every they got the book on Cowboy Oliveira and they're going to exploit it. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes him down. And pounds him out actually kind of early in the first couple two rounds. To be perfectly honest, all right. That's some good, that's very good points. Yeah, I didn't, um, I hadn't done my research and didn't know about the camp thing. So yeah, that kind of changes things for sure. I'm thinking that maybe early Will Brooks might struggle a bit for that takedown. I know Cowboy Oliveira is a really big lightweight and he starts pretty quick generally, but I think that he might slow down as the fight goes on. You guys got thoughts on that? Is this that, fight it? Is this at one fifty five? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
yeah, that uh, yeah, that that could that could play a part with uh, with Cowboy, I would believe, if this is at fifty five. Yeah, and we saw again Cowboy Oliveira's uh, Gilbert Burns fight. He was he was killing him on the feet first two rounds, and then Gilbert Burns got his you know his eye completely battered. He's he's broken. He's beaten up, and he basically goes across, takes him down. Now Gilbert Burns' jujitsu when he actually gets to the fight, when he follows that game plan, he's he's on a whole different level. But yeah, you saw Cowboy Oliveira really really gassing in that fight. The longer this fight goes. It uh, he's a big boy. He's a big boy at 170. So yeah, 155. The guy must near damn kill himself trying to get down there. And and I imagine you know you know Will Brooks five round five round gas tank and he doesn't really seem to fade. I saw people saying that he faded a, a bit against Ross Pearson. Maybe maybe chalk that up to a general dump. I've seen this guy go in Bellator five clean rounds, no problem. So, uh, yeah, the longer this fight goes, the more it even goes into Will Brooks' favor on top of that. Oh, no doubt. I wouldn't list cardio as a deficiency for Will Brooks, no doubt about that. I think no. the longer the fight, the better it is for ill Will Brooks. Okay, guys, now real quick before we move on to the next fight, I just want to ask you all a quick question. Try to answer it in like 30 seconds or less if you can. Line me the fight or tell me who you pick, Will Brooks, Eddie Alvarez. Oh, man. That's a tough one. Um, I'd probably go Eddie. I think that's a really, really close fight. Um, I just like Eddie's counter-wrestling. I think Eddie could keep that on the feet, and I think his striking's just a little bit better. But it'd be a really close fight. Well, what's what's the line that you're setting on that there? Oh, man. Because I'm going with the underdog. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's. I, I would make like Eddie a, the favorite. Yeah, I would make Eddie the favorite. I, I think, think they'd like him. Maybe it's like a six, six, six and four kind of split out of ten. Like I think it's really, really close between the two of them. Both yeah. of them have really good wrestling. They're both super, super well rounded. I think it's a super close fight. Um, yeah, it, it would be kind of like a, it would be an underdog kind of play. I think just just based on how close and how similar they actually are, kind of in yeah. their skill sets. Really, uh, really similar fighters. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, I agree uh, with the line that you hypothetically set there. I think that Will Brooks would probably be the underdog just based on his previous performance in the octagon, if that's the only thing we're going off of, and the fact that Eddie is a champion after all. But I think Will Brooks is getting a little undersold here tonight by us uh, as far as his speed being a big factor and his cardio, which Paul mentioned at length already. And also, uh, I think his striking's a bit underrated. I don't know if we're giving him enough credit uh, for the striker that he is. He's come a long way since getting knocked out by Syed Awad back in the day. I think that uh, he could actually outwork Eddie on the feet if, if it came down to that. Uh, I would pick Will Brooks in that fight. I'm almost uh, positive, depending on the line, of course. Now, last one. Obviously, since we got that big title fight going down at 205, and these could be two potential opponents for Will Brooks going forward. We mentioned Eddie Alvarez already, so line me the fight now and tell me who you would pick, Conor McGregor or Will Brooks. Well, Conor would definitely be the fave. Um, Hype alone would, would justify that. Yeah, he, he would definitely be the fave. Um, man, it, it would really come down to, to how Will Brooks fought. Um, if Will Brooks... Man, if he if he used that superior wrestling, he could absolutely beat Connor. Um, if he stood and tried to strike with him, I wouldn't give him much of a chance, though. Um, man, that that's a hard one. Um, 
I'd probably have to go Connor, man. Uh, I think Connor would eventually get him. Connor's uh, counter wrestling has improved just so much, man. Um, I think he could keep it on the feet and uh, eventually catch catch Brooks, but that's another really close fight. And I guess that talking about those two matchups, like going back, I'm probably reading way too much into his Ross Pearson performance and going pre that fight. Will Brooks is really close with all the all of the top five in this division. So, yeah, it's really close against any of these dudes uh, with Will Brooks. So give Paul a number to work with. What are you making, Connor? Two to one? Uh, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't think he would go. Uh, off his one performance with, with Ross, it would probably get bet up to 175, minus 175, something like that. Now, Connor would this. be. Let's say this. McGregor knocks out Alvarez, and Will Brooks dominates Oliveira by, you know, wide decision. Obviously, that wouldn't be the fight they made next, but if you're just going off those two. Connor would probably be minus 150. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe may, may a little higher. Definitely higher by fight time. You know where the money's going to come in on. Oh, the money would come steaming in. Steaming in so hard on Connor McGregor at that price. Yeah. I think, I, I think, I think Will Brooks off of a poor performance against Ross Pearson is just getting kind of undervalued. Like if you think about what what would the price of uh, McGregor versus Cowboy Oliveira be if you put that into perspective? It would be like a minus seven hundred, minus eight hundred. It'd be something silly. Easily over five to one, six to one. Yeah, at least five to one. I agree. So uh, honestly, I I think Will Brooks has the cardio, has the gas tank. We haven't really seen Connor's power be able to translate up to. You know, he's taking it on the zombie that is Nate Diaz. You can't knock yeah, out that t- team. Tough to say that because Nate Diaz is an absolute warrior. So, Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of interesting, especially going into his fight. But, yeah, how how much is that? We know that he could knock out any 145-pounder on the planet. But uh, full training camp, Will Brooks, we know he's got five five-round gas tank. We know Connor kind of starts slowing down after about seven and a half, eight minutes. Yeah, I'm not counting. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be tempted on. I'd be tempted uh, for for Will Brooks at like over two to one, and I think it would actually be over two to one if if all of these scenarios, these hypothetical scenarios that we set up, fell into place. Yeah, yeah Will Will gets past the the seven and a half minute mark, and that it's a completely different fight. As I yeah. think. Uh, Eddie Alvarez is too. If it gets past the seven and a half minute mark, it's a completely different fight. I think we absolutely know that even though Connor did like hit some otherworldly gear in, in the fifth against against Nate, or the fourth and fifth against Nate, we he absolutely has a, a suspect gas tank. I think that's I think that's one hundred percent. And I think in a situation like that, if you're if he's on his back for long periods of a round like that against a guy like Brooks who's going to keep working and working and be heavy on top, there's just you're not coming back from that that you know energy dump. There's no way that you have that fifth round that he had against Nate. So I think that uh, or the fourth round, I guess it was, if I recall. Yeah, that fight's a blurry. Was so crazy, but yeah, Will Brooks to me, I'd I'd bet him as a dog against McGregor, no doubt. I think that uh, while I already said I think McGregor will beat Alvarez, I think Brooks is a different kind of an animal. I think his wrestling is actually for MMA. I think it's actually better, and I think that his speed would be able to keep him out of the way of McGregor's big shots. And I think that he's going to have a strength advantage, and he would be able to get him 
down. So, yeah, I, I like Will Brooks a lot, probably more than I thought I did before I actually started this conversation. Yeah. So, uh, well, it's interesting to think of it like that. I kind of, yeah, I've, I've been the past five minutes kind of completely <laughs> came back around on, on Will Brooks. And, uh, yeah, you're totally right, man. His wrestling for for MMA, uh, it, it really does translate a lot. And, uh, yeah, that's that that's a problem for anybody, man. Yeah, I've I've actually come back about full circle just in the past five minutes talking about Will Brooks. I mean, so, for the, yeah, for the McGregor fight, it's almost to me like a bigger, faster, probably stronger Chad Mendes fight, and and with better cardio. So yeah, I, yep. I think I think Paul's right too in bringing up that it, it was Nate, but there is still a, a little bit of a question about Connor's power transferring up to 55 and then even 70. Um, there is a little question. It, it was Nate who has got a, a, just a granite chin, but right. some of those, a lot, he landed a ton on Nate and I'm sure he even thought to himself, Jesus Christ, how is this guy still standing here? So there is still a, 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 a tiny question mark with, with his power transferring up to 55. Yeah. I hear you and guys. yeah, just add, just adding on to what Joey was saying there about uh, Chad Mendez, that's 100%. It's like we saw Chad Mendez utilize that game plan. Then he tries to go for that, that what was it, the arm bar that he tried to go for while he was on the ground or the head and arm choke? Forget off the top of my head. It was but a guillotine, he, was, not? Or was it? Okay, my bad. And then he Either way, with he, it. Exactly. It's just, he, he came in after drinking beers out in the woods, right? It's like, true, true. If if you had five rounds of gas, if he had five round gas tank, he could have potentially continued that type of strategy, and McGregor would have faded. But uh, obviously, that did not happen. Once you saw, once he got up, McGregor kicked him in the body, and uh, it was all sh- all she wrote from there, basically. Oh yeah, I love breaking down these hypotheticals with you guys, but we, we need to move on to another fight on the card. Uh, late replacement fight here. We got Lewis Smolka minus four forty against the newcomer Brandon Moreno plus three fifty. Uh, I threw this one in the in the card uh, that we want to talk about on the show, guys, because I'm a little bit intrigued about by Moreno. Um, you know, I know he's participated on the Ultimate Fighter, and uh, Wes and I were having a conversation just about I guess a week ago or so uh, about you know how he's he's. He's he's really into watching the Ultimate Fighters. I've kind of strayed away from it. He's mentioned this season's been very good, and some of the guys are really high quality. I wanted to get Wes's thoughts real quick on Moreno as a potential underdog pick here. Nothing against Smolka. I love the guy. I think he's very exciting. But I have talked in the past about his game being a little bit incomplete, at least for my liking. Uh, so, Wes, tell me a little bit about Moreno and what we should be looking out for here on Saturday. Yeah, I haven't really watched a lot of tape of him before the Tough House, <clears throat> but as far as his one fight in the Tough House, it, it's not a, I wouldn't say it's a ton to be impressed with. Um, he was really tough, just kind of stood in there, man, and, and took a lot of damage. It's about the best thing you could you could say about him. Um, kind of got ran over pretty much. I think he's he's definitely one of the as good as the talent is in there with all the champs from the different organizations. I think the organization he was coming out of is is one of the lower ones. It's want to say it's it's a lower level in inside of Texas. So, um yeah, I I don't give him a, a whole lot of chance in this fight, man. Um I just think Smoke is just better than him and and just about everywhere now. Come, coming off these these out of these tough houses, usually guys improve 
tremendously um, coming out of the house into their their first like tough finale fights. They usually get out and get a real camp and stuff like that. This guy's been a champ in another organization, so I would imagine he's had pretty good training camps and stuff. I just don't think the talents are uh, to get Smoka. Um, Smoka Smoka's. You know, uh, up until his last fight, I think some of his his um, some of his competition wasn't the best. R- Richie Valuecheck, uh, Neil Series, a tough out. Uh, I don't think think Patty Houlihan kind of got pumped up. Uh, people thinking he was a little bit better than he actually was. Now, I think the Ben Win uh, fight and and win in that fight was was a really good win for Smoka because uh, I thought. Ben Wynn was actually, I actually picked Ben Wynn in that fight. Uh, ended up betting Smoka, um, but I think I had Ben Wynn and Toutmaster or something like that. Smoka ended up getting to a good price, but um, I, I like Smoka in this fight. I, I think they're, it's a short replacement fight for uh, a kid that's going to be making his very first, uh, his first appearance in the UFC. Uh, he's going to have the jitters. Um, then just on talent, I think Smoke is just better in this kid here. So, yeah, the line's just the line's crazy. I'd look uh, if anything, if you wanted to bet this fight, Smoke inside the distance. I think he eventually catches him in a submission or, or Smoke him by sub. I usually like to play inside the distance to to cover myself, but um, I'm going Smoke by sub in this fight. Well, Wes, I always value your input and your uh, breakdowns, but I got to say I'm begrudging you a little bit because I think, if I'm not mistaken, you may have just taken a little stab at the state of Texas as far as MMA is concerned. You may have. <laughs> so I'm going to have to try and forget that real quick while Paul's talking. So, Paul, say y'all, something nice about Texas MMA or something to get me back in good spirits and y'all tell have, me how y'all my know it's going to go. Y'all have the best athletic commission in the entire okay, country. now you're just lying to me, so don't, <laughs> don't do that. You got to be better than that, Wes. <laughs> Wow, he's cutting to the core there. Uh, well, first off, isn't uh, isn't Moreno from Arizona? He trains at the Fight Ready Gym in Arizona with Henry Cejudo. Cejudo was talking on the show about how he's like had the kid in his home mm-hmm. and he kind of like took him off the streets and like that type of thing is like when he came to the gym. Either way, the kid's just so green. He's you know yeah. in that first fight he was the 16th seed. He's taking on Pantoja. Who is the uh, the RFA champion at 125 pounds? And frankly, the first round I thought he won based on toughness and and just activity. He was he's throwing a whole bunch of crazy jumping shit and all this other stuff like flying knees and keeping really busy. Super super tough. Took took his lumps as well. And then the second round was actually relatively close. He was starting to lose the the, the tide was starting to turn. I guess. Man, when Pintoja got him to the ground, he, he subbed him pretty quick. Um, I think he's got potential in a, in three, four years. Continues to work with Henry Cejudo. You know, his takedown defense is gonna gonna improve. Getting shot on by an Olympian like that, but I think eventually Smolka. I don't know if he has the best offensive wrestling, but I think this fight hits the mat. And what we saw from Smolka in that last fight against Ben Nguyen, who is no slouch whatsoever was it was just so seamless like every single position when they got on the mat he was dominating and delivering punishments so short notice it all just kind of adds up that i think smolka has really finally put it all together and and i i'd be pretty surprised if he uh didn't get the win here all right well as for this fight and as for moreno's concerned uh 
I couldn't tell you whether he was from Texas or Arizona or where he fights or where he trains. That's what I'm depending on you guys for. Never watched the guy before. Just wanted to get some input. Sounds like he's not as live as I had hoped he would be. Um, Smolka is definitely dangerous on the ground, and, and from the breakdown you've given me here, I, I might have to go look at some tape before I, you know, before these guys fight, just so I have a better idea. But it sounds like Smolka for uh, a submission or something like that might be a decent look. Uh, I'm not sure what the price is there. Probably stay away, wait and see fight. Uh, Smolka has definitely put together some good good performances, and and he absolutely beat the shit out of Ben Win last time out, which surprised me a bit. So definitely a fun one to watch if you like yeah, yeah. a little bit of blood and a little bit of violence. Yeah, I, I think Paul's right though. Keep keep an eye on the the Moreno kid in, in the future though. I, I think he could um, with the with the training and stuff um, uh, with Cejudo, like he said at that camp. And I kind of meant more that I believe he was fighting on the Texas regional scene. His fights, um, but yeah, he uh, Paul's right. He, he lives and trains with Cejudo, so definitely look for the kid in a few years. I think he could actually be fairly decent. And I'm seeing right now Smoker by Submission plus 175 at Sports International, so that's not too shabby. Interesting. Yeah, it, what's the, it's what's gonna the hit KO prop or inside the distance rather. ITD. Let me just look here. Uh, inside the distance, minus 245. Yeah, I see the same now. Yeah, that's a little rich for my Yeah, taste. it's a little steep. But <laughs> yeah. um, an exact, I, I'm not one to necessarily go exact route because you see strange things all the yeah. time. Submission, TKO. Um, maybe just best stay away here. Uh, maybe points handicap whenever one of those pops up. You might get a little reduced juice on that. But, yep, sounds like Smolka might be in a good position to pick up another dub here and keep an eye on Moreno. So, Moving on down, the next fight of interest we're going to talk about is a prelim match. And, and while we're moving from the main card of the prelims, guys, um, two questions. One, over under 700 hours that this fight card will last, and how many people will commit suicide <laughs> from boredom while watching this bout or watching these fights? Because, you know, FS1, FS2 pacing, not necessarily the greatest thing since sliced bread. Man, I'll I tell you what, the. One of the best things that happened to like fights in a long time was like the UFC Fight Pass, and when we get like just the whole cards on UFC Fight Pass, it's like the best thing ever. Dude. It's like fight after fight after fight, no commercials, no breaks. Uh, yeah, I looked at the time on this action. It was like, holy shit, this main card isn't starting until eleven p.m. like Eastern time. Yeah, because it's on uh, the coast. Yeah. But then, uh, like uh, Sean had said, it's like it's only a four-fight main card, though, so it's going to end about the same time as as the usual cards do on the East Coast, twelve thirty one a.m. So, uh, but yeah, man, you, I, I think that's we tweet about that every single uh, FS1 show. Jesus Christ, I mean, this pacing has it is always just been horrible. that bad, or has Fight Pass just enlightened us to how quickly a fight card can actually move? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, you're, you've always had the commercials. I just think, uh, yeah, the fight pass has shown us how great it can be. You know, I mean, hell, even pay per views don't flow that well. Yeah, yeah, it's. I don't know. It seems like sometimes they give like because I even going to a lot of cards live recently. Like even in the arena, they give you like tons of breaks to go get beers and and use the bathroom and shit like that. So. I don't know if they just 
I think it's got a little bit of both when it's on regular TV. It's for commercials. When it's on pay-per-view, it's so people can get breaks and go get beers and, and do all that kind of shit. That, that's my only guess. Yeah, the concessions. The concessions people need to get their need to get their money, I guess. I don't know. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of annoying. Um, hopefully because it's a six-fight main card starting an hour later than most main cards usually do that – you know, they, they just roll from one to another, at least within some reason. I think this uh, the, the four-fight prelims card, though, the TV prelims, you got uh, Frank Waston or Frankenstein or uh, whatever, De Silva. He's got so many names, it's so confusing. That's probably going to end up in finish. Feely Diaz could go to decision, but I think it could end in submission. Or knockout for Andre Feely, so it's it's it, that one could be a finish. You got two middling heavyweights going against each other, and Kaden Nakamura, or sorry, uh, Abdur Kimov and Walt and you have Kaden Nakamura Zaleski. That probably goes to decision, but you could have like three out of four finishes there, and you're waiting to get to eleven o'clock. There could oh, be a man. lot. There could be a lot of Karen Bryant's. Oh, oh Jesus Christ! Please shoot me. The mute Holy. will be. Very, very worn out by the end of Saturday. I can't night. even look at her face, dude. I literally have to turn the channel. Every I can't time even. I see her on TV, I just think of Rampage motorboating. <laughs> I think of her running up and trying to hug Ronda Rousey after she won that fight. And Ronda just, I'm like, nah, get away, bitch. You know, well, her, her, her cameraman is her husband, too, right? Like, Yes. Yeah. Imagine yeah. holding the camera. As your wife gets motorboated by this big dude that would absolutely kick your ass. Yeah, like, appar- I'm gonna say, apparently, the ru- apparently the rumors are he kind of likes that kind of stuff. So, oh, we got a little cuckold on our hands. Yeah, yeah. we got a little little cuckold action in the in the Bryant family. Jesus. That's for sure. My God, I was gonna say, <laughs> what are you gonna do to Rampage? Talk shit, shove him, fight him? Yeah, no, not a good idea. Please don't touch my wife, sir. Sir, That's sir, great. Bring in a couple of Asian chicks, and that's about the only way you're getting him off your wife. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good stuff, good stuff. Okay, oh, back to much. back to the fights. Uh, one that Paul just mentioned briefly, uh, one of interest to me: uh, Hakran Diaz minus one seventy-five over Andre Feely coming in at plus one fifty-five. You know, in my opinion, this matchup's fairly straightforward. I like Feely; he's got some good tools. I just don't think that he's able to put it all together. All the time, and he's he's much less disciplined and definitely flawed than I think Hawker and Diaz, who we, you know what you're getting from him. Hawker and Diaz is going to go in there. He's going to grind. He's going to try to, you know, get a decision over you. Not a lot of finishing potential for, on his side. I think that we see him employ a pretty straightforward game plan. I think we see him grind Feely out. I see Diaz by decision plus 115. Boys, tell me why I shouldn't make that bet. Hey, man, that makes a lot of sense to me, to be perfectly honest. Uh uh, Feely, on top of that, is coming in on short notice. Last time we saw Andre Feely was Salt Lake City. He got, what, a flying scissor kick to the head, knocked out. Yikes. Um, mm-hmm. It was supposed to be Brian T. City Ortega versus Diaz in this spot. That would have been nice. That would have been a lot of fun as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Feely's a tough guy to get a grasp on. I think he's... You know, he's, he's a top 25 type of guy um, who, who's young and improving. But he's one of those guys that 
he doesn't really seem to excel at anything in particular. I guess his striking is his go-to, but he doesn't really fit that, that team alpha male mold that we've become used to, right? Where, you know, you got the, the wrestling base and then, and then the hands work from there. He's kind of working on everything else because he didn't have the wrestling base to start with. So he's in a room of guys who kind of are all working on different things. And plus, it's no secret that Team Alpha Male has struggled with trying to find appropriate striking coaches over the last what, four or five years. You had uh, Dwayne Ludwig in there, and then that, there was a falling out there. Martin Campman was in for a short period of time. He left. Master Tong sounds like he's kind of just hit or miss, whether he's at the gym or not. And, He's not a world-class trainer either, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but I, I, I'm with uh, with Joey here. I just think Hacker Diaz puts the grind on him. It's possible that he gets a finish um, just because he does have some pretty good jiu-jitsu, and we've seen uh, Andre Feely get subbed before. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think you're onto something there, Joey. Yeah, I- I kind of agree with a lot of both of what what you both say. Um, with with Feely, uh, I think it's just like Paul said. It with that camp, they're all just so sound and technical, and, and you know what game you're getting with a with a team alpha male guy with that wrestling, and then build off of that. Uh, Feely's like the complete opposite. He's so wild, and and it's a lot of crazy strikes and stuff like that. And he he just not like very fundamental like most of the guys that come out of that camp. Um, and like Joey said, with, with Diaz, you know exactly what you're getting with this guy. Tough dude that that's uh, never – he's never been finished in his career. Um, 28, 29 fights, never been finished. Uh, I, so I don't see Feely catching him with something to take him out of there. Um, was a little – I don't want to say not impressed against Cub. I, uh, I was there for that fight live. Um, just don't think he – he did enough more than he could. He could have done way more in that fight. Um, I thought Cub was kind of was a little washed at that point. I still think he's he's on the decline, but he did show out good in that fight. Uh, but but I thought Diaz could have done a whole lot better in that fight. Um, but like Joey said, you you know what you're getting with him. Um, tough, durable guy. Um, the, the decision prop kind of scares me. Cause like Paul said, I, I think Philly could get wild and, and reckless and get caught with something. Um, and he, like, like Paul also said, he just got the scissor kick KO by, by Yair, I believe it was. Um, so we know he's got a, a little, I don't want to say suspect chin, but we know he can be, uh, he can be taken out of there. So that uh, decision prop worries me just a tiny bit, but I think that is the the most likely outcome in this fight is is Hockerin by uh, by decision. But I'll be putting uh, I'll be putting Diaz with some. I'll probably try to find a parlay partner somewhere. Well, you guys didn't talk me off of it. Putting it in right now, Diaz by decision plus one fifteen. Give me that money. Most likely outcome for sure. Yeah, I mean, the inside the distance prop is plus three hundred. Uh, I, I just don't see it really. I mean, there's no odds up for submission, which at these odds, it's, you're probably looking at. You know, I'm sure the submission would probably be favored over a TKO. I mean, albeit Feely did just uh-huh. get knocked out. I just don't see Diaz as the kind of striker to do that. And you very rarely, especially at this weight class, see ground and pound TKOs unless somebody's already been hurt on the feet. So. I'm going to go with the decision. I think that's a fairly uh, viable option uh, for you there if you're looking for a bet. 
So the last yeah, fight absolutely. that I like to talk about here, uh, just from an in- intrigue standpoint, and then I'll open it up for you guys to bring in a wild card or whatever if you guys like a different fight that I haven't brought up. Um, looking here at Tamden McCrory against Nate Marcourt. Very interesting fight. Very interesting line, in my opinion. Tamden McCrory minus 230. Nate, the great Marcourt, plus 190. So either one of you guys want to tell me what's going on with this line and uh, who are you going to pick here? Oh, God. Oh, God, this one. <laughs> this one makes me so nervous because of my take on it, but it is what it is. We just saw Tamden McCrory get absolutely, like, not just knocked out. Like That was a bad knockout. Actually, Cody Cody on our show, Bookie Beatdown, told the story that after that fight, he went into the media room, and, like, he didn't know what day it was. He didn't know what city he was in, like, it was a bad, bad knockout yeah. from Christoph Jotko there in Ottawa. And so he's coming off of that. That was at the end of June. <laughs> I believe it was like June 20th or somewhere around there that that fight yeah, went down. Like three months ago. And now he's taking on, you know, uh, you know, former, former welter or Strikeforce welterweight champion who's got his own chin issues straight across the board. Don't get me wrong, but... Uh, Tammy McCrory seems to be at his best when he's on his back, throwing up submissions, winning those transitions. And I don't know against Nate Marquardt if he's going to be able to employ that game plan and, and whether he's going to be able to get him down to the ground. And Nate Marquardt is a, is a black belt on the ground as well, I believe, trained under Elliot, uh, Elliot Marshall. He's, he's been in the game forever. It's just, God, trying to bet... On Nate Marquardt, we've seen him get finished so many times. And I'm talking about the other guy being Chinny. But all the other guys, and Cody brought up a good point when we talked about Ampokovita, all the other guys that he's getting finished by are power punches. Jake Ellenberger, Tiago Santos, Hector Lombard. These guys bring it, and they bring it. They bring really, really heavy strikes when they're when they're doing it. So uh, you're going to give me, what's the line on it now? Like plus, seven, plus 170 or something like that on Nate Marquardt? One ninety plus one ninety. Plus one ninety. It's moving even better for me. So maybe I just hold off just a slight little bit, get her over plus two hundred because it seems to be trending in that direction. But this definitely, I would not suggest parlaying up uh, Tamden McCrory. This looks like a uh, this looks like a parlay parlay killer all around. So it's Dogger Pass, and although I'm very cautious about betting on that chin, I got to go with Marquardt here. Man, I can't believe it. I, I'm going to have money on Nate Marquardt in 2016. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe it. But, yeah, to all of your points, uh, McCory got deaded, like, badly by a guy that really doesn't knock many guys out, you know. And it it was three months ago. I mean, I – you should not be fighting three months after getting knocked out like that. There, there's just no way. Um, we we all know Nate is has got chin problems himself, but like you said, he's been knocked out by Tiago Santos, uh, Gasolum. Eh, he's he's decent power, but Brad Tavares, Hector Lombard. I mean, Jake Ellenberger. Just just some guys that hit very very hard. I don't think McCory's that that guy. He's He's more of needs it on the ground, um, likes to work his submission game more than anything. So 
at, at that number, I, I think you have to take a shot on Nate here. That's just a that's a stupid price. Uh, inside Nate inside the distance is plus two fifty right now. Um, I think that's a good way to go as well. Um, I, I even um, probably going to take a little shot on the under one and a half. Um, just in case Nate does get caught. But either which way, I think this fight is over fairly quick. Uh, it might make the second round. Uh, if it does, I don't see it going too far into the second round. But, yeah, I'm going to be betting on Nate Marquardt here, and I'm going to have uh, 100% pucker factor the whole time. So, <laughs> yep. Guys, we've got ourselves a consensus lock of the week, and that lock of the week would be that all three of us are going to have money on Nate Marquardt, and none of us are going to feel good about it. So, <laughs> oh. It's, oh, God, uh, we're screwed. It is, uh, it is definitely a weird feeling, but, yeah, the price is just a – Odd. I, I don't understand. Like, look at Tandem McCrory's record. Yes, I understand that Mark Hort has been absolutely Tandem fucking McCrory, dude. I mean, no, Mark Hort has been had the his brains battered several, several times, and in, in in very devastating fashion. And the prolonged beatdown he got from Kelvin Gastelum might be the worst of all, to be honest. Even though it was, you know, not immediate, he just took so much punishment. It looked like he looked like a kid getting beat up on the playground and no teacher in sight to save his life. It just. I don't know, man. But you look at Tanner McCrory, who's his best win ever? What, Brennan Ward? Josh Saman? I mean, eh, that just doesn't inspire me to believe that even at this point, he's got those tools to beat Nate Marquardt. If you're just if you're looking at this fight in a vacuum and we're not talking about any of their prior fights, we're just looking at skill sets, I think Nate's got the advantage everywhere. Would I, would I be wrong to say that? The only thing would maybe be the chin, honestly. That's... And and we just saw McCurry get knocked out, so that's not really saying all that much, right? Right, that's how um, I'm feeling, pretty much. Otherwise, yeah, yeah Nate's Nate's seen everything in this game. He's and he's got he's got great wrestling. He's got some really good underrated knockout power. Um, ask CB yeah. Dalloway. Yeah, ask CB Dalloway. Ask Damian Maya, who was like flipped around and did like a cartwheel in the air when they fought each other way back when. <laughs> that was awesome. Ask. Uh, Ask uh, welterweight or welterweight champion Tyron Woodley. Ooh, that like, was absolutely brutal. Nate Marquardt's got some pow, and uh, and yeah, I think uh, I don't even know. If, I don't know if I would take the inside the distance prop just because what you're getting an extra 50, 60 points on it right now. I think yeah, not much. I think just I think just at plus one ninety, just in case these guys kind of go out there, they don't finish each other, and you know they're both kind of up there and. I guess McCrory's actually younger than he looks, but uh, you know Nate's up there in age, so you know maybe it could this, get sloppy. It could go, it could get sloppy and go to decision, and you know then you're losing your bet when uh, when yeah I think Nate at like plus two hundred is going to be is a definitely a very very good bet. Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying that. I know, <laughs> so wild, so wild. I can see it though. I can see Marquardt not getting the finish, and, and if it does go the distance, I still would favor him just because of the well-rounded skills that he has. I. I, I think it's his fight to lose. It's it's going to be the chin doing him in, or he's going to get the victory. So, yeah, can't pass that price up. I might wait a little bit as well, but if I see it starting to fall, I'm going to go ahead and hit Nate Marquardt. I'm not going to mess with inside the distance just because the line discrepancy isn't enough for me to see the real value in it. Um, let's go for Nate the Great, guys. 
All right, so those are the five, uh, you know, most talked about fights, at least from those of you that listen that I've interacted with this week, the ones that you're interested in hearing. Always, guys, uh, for all the sports going forward, we're looking for your input. What do you guys want to hear us talk about? What do you want to put your money on? Where do you want the advice? And we'll do the best we can to break all those fights, all those games, all those matchups down the best that we can. Uh, But now I know Wes will probably have some more bets than just the five fights we've talked about in this card. I know Paul's got plenty of great analysis on all the bouts as well. I'm going to let each you pick another fight that you'd like to touch on briefly maybe give me a minute or so of your thoughts and uh, maybe any bets that you guys have elsewhere um yeah i'll just go real fast i haven't uh locked in too many bets yet um uh like i said uh past episodes i've kind of been waiting more towards um the weekend to get my bets in uh kind of watching line movement more uh nowadays uh but just a couple things that that i'm looking at is uh there's um there's two fatties gonna fatty on this card that I'll be on. Uh, absolutely, both of the both of the heavyweight fights. I'm gonna be playing the over. Um, the Wilson uh, cute labia fight. Uh, I'll uh, <laughs> I'm gonna uh, I'll probably I'll probably sprinkle on that over as well. Um, the, those three one and a halves is is probably something I'll be on. Um, another guy that. Maybe looking to put in your parlays. I, I like Curtis Blades. I like um, I like the grit and, and and the toughness he showed against an absolute monster in, in Nagano. I think Nagano could be a future heavyweight champion in the UFC, and uh, I think Curtis Blades really really showed um, a little bit of skill and a lot of grit and toughness in that fight. Um, and I, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna re- take uh, Cody East down and, and put a beating on Cody East in that fight. So that you might want to look at that as far as um, um, maybe a, a parlay piece. But I do like the over in that fight because I think it'll be Blades on top, and East is a is a tough guy, and I think he can survive a, a round and a half. So uh, I like the over a little bit more in that fight. And then uh, yeah, Curtis Blades. Um, think he think he's got a little bit of talent, and um, maybe look at parlaying him, but. Yeah, as far as anything else on here, um, there's a lot of, of, of past fights on here for me. Um, but as it gets closer to Saturday, I, I'll blabble and have a, a lot of bets on here. It's how it usually ends up happening with me. But uh, all my stuff will be posted uh, Saturday afternoon if uh, you want to check out my Twitter. And, uh, yeah, just to touch on a couple of the fights that uh, Wes just talked about there. Uh, for Curtis Blades, my concern about Cody East is how much durability does that guy have? We know that <laughs> Curtis Blades can take a goddamn beating, but I'm not entirely sure. Like, I know he took a pretty clean punch from, uh, from Walt Harris in that last fight, and then Walt Harris went in, cleaned him up, and it was somewhat of an early stoppage, I guess you can make the argument. I know that Cody East was complaining about it, that's for sure. But he got, he got, he was, he was pretty, uh, pretty done uh curtis blades i think goes in there and he's just a big boy who's gonna walk through whatever punches and and uh take him down make it ugly and and pound him out on the ground we'll see if cody east can uh can survive in that type of situation um that would be my only concern in terms of betting it over there but it's definitely got fatty he's gonna fatty (laughs) that's my only angle on that one paul that is my only angle (laughs) and then walt harris uh versus shamil abdurakimov it kind of is just almost like a it's almost like kind of the same fight that uh walt harris just had against cody east they're both very mobile heavyweights that 
like to stick and move, stay on the outside, don't exactly have the biggest knockout power for the heavyweight division. So I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Walt Harris kind of carbon coffee. I haven't been impressed by Shamil Abdurakimov. And when Abdurakimov, you remember that Timothy Johnson fight that he had, like, once he ended up on his back, he looked like a complete fish out of water. He was lost down there. So definitely something to watch out for. Walt Harris, big lumbering guy. Maybe not, or maybe you know, land, land a big strike end to the ground, and I think he could swarm up. But heavyweights, heavy. This it's almost like a coin flip sometimes in this heavyweight division. Just especially with this level of guys, these guys are just so untrustworthy. But um, and then the, the fight, I guess I'm kind of looking at is, and maybe you guys know more, but uh, Joachim Christensen versus uh, Luis Henrique da Silva or Frankenstein or Frank Wasten or I've seen his name like uh, three thousand different ways. Joachim Christensen's like a 38 year old UFC debut, so <laughs> we that doesn't go very well for a lot of the guys that come in this late in the game. He's taking on a 26 year old. Uh, in uh, in Frankenstein, who Frankenstein, you know, he was able to eat a bunch of shots from Jonathan Wilson, who I thought had some potential, and and he really put him on it, put it on him in the second round, was able to get it to finish. I was actually kind of impressed with him. Eleven, what eleven and zero Brazilian dude. Um, I am not very impressed with the stand up game of Christensen. I know he's going to try to get to the mat. He has some decent trips. We'll see what happens, but I think even at minus one sixty. Uh, I feel pretty good about uh, Frankenstein, as I like to call him. He's, down to, he's down to minus 135 now. Oh, everyone. Is, like him even more now, huh? Everything's coming up, Paul. <laughs> oh, he just, wow, he did just move down. It's like people are listening to us live, and they're just like, let's fade that idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good stuff, guys. You, one, of you, one of you guys just pounded Christensen there, didn't you? Yeah, sorry, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that about does it, guys. Uh, real quick before we close it out completely, uh, we wanted to talk to Paul a little bit about some DraftKings, but apparently DraftKings no longer likes us and they don't want to post MMA prices anytime, you know, early enough in the week to get it on anybody's podcast. So uh, anybody know what's going on with that? Uh, DraftKings throwing shade towards MMA fans. What's up? I've had a whole bunch of people ask me all day long today. Hey, do you have any inside track on this? Do you have any inside track on this? I'm not paid by DraftKings. I have no idea why. It's been a trend since football season started that they're just kind of going later and later. Now I see some of these rumors and stuff out there of of you know uh, of people basically saying that uh, all their you know they merged with FanDuel so they're going to they're going to get rid of MMA that listen I'm looking at the DraftKings lobby right now on my phone there's CFL football as an options on, uh, as an option on the DraftKings lobby are you telling me that CFL football probably gets more people more money than UFC not a chance those tournaments sell out uh, I, I don't understand why they're showing up later and why they're coming in later, but there's no way they get get rid of it. You have the infrastructure, you have the you have the software, you have everything set up. You set prices, you open tournaments, and you collect the rake off of people. It's as easy as that. I, I'd be shocked if they got rid of DraftKings MMA. 
Yeah, I can't say I disagree with that. I, I couldn't see any reason why they would get rid of the market. It seems to be a flourishing one. I mean, obviously, they purchased Countermove within, what, about a year, year and a half ago? So, yep. I, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me, and I hope they start getting these pumped out sooner. Hopefully, it's just a football thing, which I kind of get, but then at the same time, I kind of don't because those football prices are, are posted way, 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 way early in the week. I mean, almost, you know, within 24 hours of the week's games being over with on Monday night. So, I think that uh, there's definitely something else maybe going on, but hopefully nothing yeah. serious. So. Uh, hopefully we get the DraftKings up and rolling again soon. Because, yeah, if they're having problems with it right now, they're going to have football, hockey, NBA, and playoff baseball all going on at the same time as UFC coming up. So they would have to pull up their socks a little right. bit, I would imagine, to I mean, keep up with everything like that. To me, it would seem that basketball and baseball would be much more difficult for them to keep up with. There's a lot more players, for one, in baseball total well actually that's not true but well there's a lot more usable players i would imagine because we're only talking about offense for uh for football and then for baseball it's obviously pretty much everybody's in play from field players batters uh, pitchers whatnot uh and then obviously like you said hockey and then basketball is a daily thing too so with football it's it's weekly uh, i don't understand but you know that's why i guess uh, there's people getting paid to know these things and i'm not one of them by the way, though, hey, DraftKings, if you'd like to sponsor the podcast, Wes and I are not opposed to that. We'd love to talk shit about <laughs> DraftKings. I mean, not shit, but, you know, talk about that shit anytime. So, hey, hit us up. Anyway, so, uh, so one thing I want to do with Paul before we get him out of here uh, is ask him about some of these upcoming MMA fights that are pretty awesome. Uh, Wes and I will talk about them at length, I'm sure, in future podcasts. But since we have Paul here, maybe we'll take about five minutes. And you just give me quick, quick answers, maybe keep them, like, 20, 30 seconds, if possible. I know it's going to be tough uh, on some of the upcoming fights that we have on the horizon here. I'm going to start with the UFC 204. Dan Henderson, Michael Bisping, who you like? Uh, well, Bisping, man. Come on, Dan Anderson. I, I said this against... Uh, <laughs> I said this I said this against Hector Lombard that it wasn't going to get done. I thought he would get finished, but Mike's got a lot of riding on this. It, w- would I be shocked if Dan Henderson knocked out Michael Bisping again? No, because he's got that gritty old man strength, and, and he if he lands on you, it's going to hurt. But Mike's the much better athlete at this point, much better cardio athlete. I think he'll be able to stay out of trouble. Okay, and I'm assuming that you're probably on uh, the Musasi train against Belfort, same thing? Belfort's done, man. Okay. It's pretty much as simple as that. Like Musasi's very, very underrated, so well-rounded. I, I just don't really see a path to victory unless it's a Uriah Hall type of scenario against Gegard Mousasi where it's just kind of one of those fluke things that happen in MMA. Otherwise, Gegard wins all day. Okay, now another pretty much one-sided matchup. Well, I I, I wish it wouldn't be, but it, it kind of has to be, right? Ricardo Lamas, BJ Penn. Does BJ have any inkling of hope? Do we have an in-shape motivated BJ Penn showing up here? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Uh, he, he was He's at, what, uh, Jackson's MMA, and it's been kind of dark from there, right? Like, you haven't heard too many updates about him. Not he had that much. issue with, I don't know, there was some sort of person in his camp and talking about girlfriends and stuff like that. And he's kind of went silent ever since then. I don't know, man. What's the line on that? Uh, right now, a- we're looking at Lamas minus 525, come back on BJ plus 415. I ain't I ain't laying on Lamas, that's for sure. Maybe maybe we got a motivated pen. Who knows? 
I mean, it's possible. This is a fight. It's not the craziest thing. Seven years ago, BJ whips his ass hands down. There's there's a horrible yeah. style matchup for Lamas because he wouldn't be able to get him down, and he'd get outstruck. So, but now it's he not looked, the he, same. He looked so fucking bad against uh, Frankie, though. I was actually live at that fight. It uh, was tough nineteen finale in Vegas, oh and God. Jesus Christ, it, it was so sad. There were so many people wearing. BJ Penn shirts all around the arena and everyone it was on the Sunday, right? They used to do the tough finale on the Sunday after like the right. main main of the main card on the Saturday night. So everyone's already hung over and they've been there for three, four days, and Vegas takes a lot out of you. And dude, like just the whooping that Frankie laid on him, it was just so goddamn depressing. So I hope he comes back better. But uh I guess we'll see. All, all reports that I have heard is that BJ is doing really well, but what's 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 new? That's kind of always what you hear about BJ Penn when he's coming back. I'm going to let Wes get on this. Wes, does BJ have a shot, or are we just grasping at straws here? Yeah, we're, we're probably just grasping, man. It, it hurts me because, I'm man, I've been a BJ Penn fan for a long, long, long time, man. Uh, probably longer than a lot of the guys that even have been watching this sport uh yeah, I, I just I don't see it, man. He's he's just too old, and I'm not the biggest Llamas fan either. I, I don't. I think he's decent, but he he's not some you know title contender or anything, top five guy in my opinion. But yeah, BJ's just he's too old and done, man. I I, I hope I hope we see uh, we see some resemblance of of old BJ come that night, but I, I seriously doubt it. Mm. All right, just a couple more, Paul. Uh, RDA, Tony Ferguson. Oh, man, that's a tough one. That's a really good <laughs> fight. Um, Tony. Pretty Tony. Close to too. It's hard. That's dude, a really good fight. Dude, that, that fight's probably basically a pick em for a reason. Tony's got the length. RDA's got kind of the more technical striking. But Tony will throw whatever because he's not worried about if it goes to the mat. RDA's awesome on the mats. Jeez. Um, Tony got rocked by Landon Venato, but was able to get back up. It was able to continue the fight. And I think everyone was just kind of underestimating Landon Venata in that spot as well. Uh, wow, man. Honestly, I, I hate to be that guy, but like, that's about as close as they come in my books. I can see past for both. Fight goes the distance and doesn't go the distance, even on both sides. Pick them. How's this fight go the distance? I don't see it. Nah, I don't either. Not Tony after doesn't the, fight a style. Oh, sorry. Yeah, five five rounds. I just Ooh. I can't. Not if not after the Tony we seen in the last fight because I do think we underestimated uh, the guy a little bit. But man, he had Tony rocked a few times in that fight. Uh, I had a lot of money on Ferguson and some parlays and stuff, and man, I thought I was done several times in that fight. So, man, RDA has serious power. Yeah, we know uh, he can crack. Yeah, and then on the on the opposite side, Tony with with his chokes and his submission game. That pace, man. man. Yeah, the the just just every aspect of that fight, I'd be really hard pressed to see that fight going five rounds. All right. Tony does not fight a style that five rounds is seems like an even possibility. It's just <laughs> yeah. so aggressive, so fast paced that someone 
is going to gas out and get finished eventually. No doubt. Now, I was just thinking in my head, if Yair Rodriguez was a lightweight, how sick would that fight between him and Tony Ferguson be? Man. <laughs> That's about as crazy as a matchup I think yeah. you can make. Yeah, that it, yeah. it absolutely would be. Holy shit. Ooh. Okay, two more, Paul, before be we fun. roll out. Uh, big big yep. fights, big fights. Chris Weidman, Yoel Romero. Man, I'm worried about I'm worried about Chris with the uh, the neck surgery and all of that. Like that's not an in, that's not a thing that you that you come back lightly from. And that wasn't even all that long ago. I think he's on this card because he just wants to get mm-hmm. back in there. He's like dead set on being on this New York card. But I just don't know about the level of health that he's at at this point. Yoel's had his time off, obviously, from tainted supplement, whatever the hell you want to call that. Um, he got off, he got a shorter suspension, but, uh, dude's a beast. And we, we saw it in, you know, the, the, the Machida fight. Uh, he, he got exposed a little bit against T- Tim Kennedy. If we go back that far, mm-hmm. um, that fight against Jacare was that fight against Jacare. Most people kind of thought he lost. Yes. It was close. He's right up there with everybody. Um, I'm interested in Romero as a dog there, though. Which yeah. is what, like plus 150? Yes, sir. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. Body. Yeah, I think Paul's right with Weidman. I think he's rushing back way too fast. And Yoel Romero at plus 150 is just insane. I think you have to play Yoel. And I'm a huge Weidman fan. Uh, he's just coming back too fast. I don't think he's ready for, for Yoel. All right, last one here, boys. Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Tyron Woodley, who comes home with the belt? Woodley doesn't even hit him. Woodley doesn't even hit him. We've seen Stephen Wonderboy, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson be able to stop people's takedowns. Thompson stays on the outside. It's uh, He's just going to get pieced up until he gets tired and he, he's in a corner like he was against Rory way back at UFC 174. I'm not buying into one punch against Robbie Lawler who had been through a whole bunch of wars. I literally just don't think Woodley even touches Wonder Boy. He's just on a whole different level right now on the feet. And uh, his takedown defense is so good that he can keep it on the feet, uses uses length, uses superior technique, and, and dominate this fight. I don't know if he finishes, but if he goes five rounds, it'll be a very, very clear decision for Wonder Boy Thompson, new champion. Pretty definitive. Wes, you got quick thoughts? Yeah, I've been wrong about Wonder Boy time and time again, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be wrong this time. At least I don't think so. Wonder Boy's gonna be the new champ. Yeah, I gotta agree with both of you guys. You know, as much as a fat plus number on Tyron Woodley looks good, knowing what he's capable of athletically and how dangerous he can be and how powerful and a great wrestler he is. I just think about all the times where he's been frozen in the octagon, man. Think about Jake mm-hmm. Shields' fight. And what will Steven Thompson do to him at that range if he freezes up? He's he's going to be in trouble. And I think Thompson uh, in New York, his his stomping grounds, you know, he's going to take the belt. It's going to be pretty nice. All mm-hmm. right. Yeah, man, we could go on to that 205 card forever. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Absolutely. Man, I, I got ideas, and I'm just going to go ahead and spit it out on the air. I think we should do some sort of you know, Megapod roundtable with some really good minds. Paul would definitely be invited back for that show and just kind of kick it around for an hour and a half or however long it takes us to get through all these awesome fights because I think it's going to be pretty epic, and I can't wait. Um, 
But yeah, guys, that was UFC Portland, and it should be a pretty entertaining card this Saturday. There are a couple fights which we're not so uh, clear on how they'll go down, a couple newcomers and whatnot. But one thing we are certain about, the top of the card will be full of action with Dotson and Lineker. Definitely worth tuning in just for that. Smolka should put on a good show. And, uh, you know, hell, Nate Marquardt, baby. Let's get that dog home. So Nate the great. Uh, before we go, roll Nate. out, Paul, uh, go ahead and tell everybody where they can find your stuff on Twitter. Tell us about your uh, your pod, where we can follow you, and um, give a shout out to Cody if you want to, if he's listening. Maybe he'll uh, he'll pimp out this podcast on Twitter for us too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I want to give a little shout out to Cody because honestly, he's he makes the job of doing that podcast so much easier. Basically, it's it's a two man show. I don't think people really know that. It's like we have a switcher who does that little who switches the cameras in the studio, all the footage, all of the boards, everything, all the promotion and everything from it is is created by the two of us on top of our regular responsibilities. And Cody is literally an encyclopedia. He watches everything. He he I was joking with you guys before the pod that uh, he he prides himself on on missing dates with hot chicks because he had to watch Tachi Palace fights on a Thursday night. So uh, he, he's the man, and I couldn't do the show without him. Uh, you can follow him at CJ Safdick. Uh, you can follow our podcast, Bookie Beatdown, at Bookie underscore Beatdown. You can follow myself, at Paul Shag. Always, always down to talk about fights. Uh, really, any sort of sports. I, I keep a pretty close eye on most sports, but uh, fights is my passion. And thanks Boy. for having me on, guys. It's been a blast. Paul even, uh, me and Paul's even talked a little bit about some soccer, which... Uh... Ple- well, I know pleasant, nothing about that. Pleasantly surprised, though, that uh, we've had a, a, at least a couple tweets back and forth. That, I think it was betting soccer, though, so maybe it was more the betting part than, <laughs> than oh, the actual I, soccer part. Huh? I was just basically tailing you two guys when I saw you guys <laughs> post stuff. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll call it as as it is. I was definitely just tailing you guys because you guys do a great job with that stuff and seem to know what you're talking about. Well, thank you, sir. And that's what Twitter's all about, man. We love spreading the information. There's a lot of good people on there to follow. And, hell, we try to bring as many of them on the podcast as we can, you included, because we know that y'all got a lot of great information that needs to be broadcast out to the world. So without further ado, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, I'm at Joey Jesus. That's Jesus with a G. Wes is at True UK Fan. Follow us both on Twitter, please. But most importantly, follow the podcast. That's at Outsiders Edge SC. Um, If you follow us, we'll follow you back. Lots of good info coming in through that that handle. All of our shows will be posted there. Obviously, we're up on SoundCloud and iTunes. Links will always be posted the morning after we record this. And look for another pod with us tomorrow. Wes and I are going to hopefully bring on a guest to talk some NFL. We're going to talk a little college football. We're going to talk a little weekend soccer. So it's a lot going on, a lot to bet on this weekend. Good times as always. Wes, anything else to add before we get out of here? No, it was uh, great having Paul on, man. Like I said at the beginning of the show, uh, really respect him and uh, and uh, Cody. Guys are uh, just great knowledge on the sport, and uh, it's awesome having Paul on. And uh, hopefully, we can get him back on real soon. And uh, enjoy the fights this weekend, guys. All right. Well, y'all enjoyed the listen. Uh, so check us out tomorrow. Until then, see you guys later. Peace. <laughs>